Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24-7 Sports Network, and that is Homefield Apparel. What is Homefield Apparel? You guys, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like Auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history home field digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos mascots and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school obviously one of their most popular collections is the auburn collection now now over 20 pieces in total on their site homefieldapparel.com if you guys were anywhere on social media you you were part of the peacock movement um if you're an auburn fan of the auburn basketball season they've got a great peacock shirt and peacock hoodie that says auburn hoops easily my favorite design of theirs um, it's a great, great piece of uh, piece of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code Auburn Undercover. That's all caps, all one word, Auburn Undercover. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product and Auburn is one of their biggest sellers like that new Peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. back everybody another edition here of the Auburn Undercover podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network my name is Nathan King happy week three we have officially reached what is the actual portion of Auburn's schedule in terms of power five opponents the game that everybody was looking to throughout the offseason and uh Jason and Mark I don't know if you guys have stepped outside this morning but it uh it feels like fall already so it's an excellent time to be talking about uh a game that's going to be 2.30 on CBS. We've already kind of reached that point of the year where it's uh, it's really starting to feel like football season. And so Auburn, obviously, they welcome Penn State back in their house this weekend. Again, 2.30 on CBS on Saturday. Obviously, Penn State won this game last year in a thriller in uh, in State College. It was 28-20. to 20. Auburn was just one play away. They had that fourth and goal um, in completion as they went for the tying touchdown there. And uh, Mark, we were you know talking to players yesterday. Talked to the the three team captains, and they all had some pretty good responses about what they remembered from from last year's game. And I and I I really appreciated their transparency on saying that 
look, this not only did a something that John Samuel Schenker said, hey, this stuck with us for a while. Um, but B, you know, admitting if we had won this game, maybe that gives, you know, some some better momentum early in the season. Now, obviously, they started six and two. So you know, it, was, it was kind of you know, the best you could have asked for. But um, clearly from talking to players, this is something that you don't want to call it a revenge spot or anything like that, because I don't think it goes that deep. Um, but this is one that they've had circled for a while. And and as as some guys said after the game on Saturday as well, you know, we owe them one, you know, that they're coming into our house. Now we're going to try to try to even the score. It was a, really a fun evening of football. It was, um, you know, really hot early in the day up there and uh, great crowd, almost 110,000, the largest crowd of an Auburn teams ever played in front of. And, uh, you know, talking to the Penn State people, they said that was uh, exceptionally loud for a crowd. They say the whiteout game is always a big deal to the fans, but considering it was Auburn coming in from the SEC, got a lot of national attention. It, it was a special day up there, and uh, both teams played really hard. I, I thought it was one of the best games of the season, uh, just from a general fan's perspective. If you didn't have a rooting interest and in, say you're watching the game from Denver or Seattle or wherever and just wanted to see a good college football game, that was a good game. And Auburn certainly had its chances to win the game, uh, just didn't play good enough pass defense. You can't let uh, Sean Clifford – complete 28 or 32 passes and expect to win a game unless there's some fumbles involved or some something strange or punt returns for touchdowns. But uh, but you're right, Nathan. Auburn was down there fourth and goal in the two uh, with pretty late in the fourth quarter and had a chance to tie the game up. Then got the ball back it, with 38 seconds left and it's 38. Bo Nix hit three passes, uh, got him down close to the goal again, but ran out of time. So uh, – I can understand why the players are looking forward to this game because it was an intense game and Penn State really enjoyed beating Auburn. That was very obvious <laughs> that Saturday night up there at State College. Yeah, Jason, like like Mark mentioned, um, it was a great crowd. The whiteout, obviously, you, I mean, you can't beat that kind of experience for for any team, but you know, Auburn, it had been since, what was it? It was 1931 was the last time they played a true road road game in the big 10 correct i think we talked about this last year they played wisconsin all the way all the way back then so it had, it had been a minute um but like mark mentioned at the end of that game the you know the celebration and, and obviously it was it was such a big win for penn state to just kind of get that marquee victory over an sec team now auburn looks to return the favor in what they hope is a is a very similar environment it's an orange out and there was a lot of talk yesterday about uh about the orange jerseys, I got um, you know I got some history lessons from you and and Mark and Philip uh, after the press conference talking about uh, you know way back in the day with, with Doug Barfield and and how they pulled those orange jerseys out. But um, Jason, you're not as confident that they'll. Uh, I'm, I'm not very confident that they'll do it on Saturday, but but certainly they hope this will be an environment that is comparable to what they saw in, in State College last year. Yeah, yeah, I'm not expecting to see orange jerseys now. I think it'll be similar to what we saw last year. You know, they had you know, white face masks, they had you know, white gloves, white sleeves, white shoes. That's a, I don't know if we'll see orange shoes or not, but I think we'll see orange gloves and, and sleeves and those kind of things um, as a compliment. And that's what we heard. We kept saying, uh, I guess Derek calls it say an accessory or whatever. I, I think that's kind of the way it'll be Saturday. Uh, yeah, it, it should be a really good environment. You know, and, you know, I keep thinking back to last year and Penn State won that game. And it was a huge deal for them that day. They still went seven and six. 
Um, that's my takeaway from this one. This is just it's just another step in a really tough schedule. Um, winning Saturday, winning Saturday doesn't guarantee you're going to win ten games, um, but it's better than losing Saturday because that makes it really tough. And so that's what this one is. Winning winning this one doesn't doesn't change things a whole lot, but losing it could. And so that's where this one comes into play for me. I think it's it's a really I think it's a really evenly matched game because Auburn's at home. Um, that makes this thing to me balance a little bit in Auburn's favor going into this one. Now they got to go out and play better than they did Saturday for sure. But the environment's going to be there. The fans are going to be there. Hey, <clears throat> the fans were there Saturday night. If not for the fans, they might not have won that game Saturday night against San Jose State. They played a, a big role in in that. In that you know, you know, Ryan Arson talked about a goal line stand. The goal line stand came from two from two false starts. That's where that goal line stand came from. The defense stopped them on a couple of plays. But man, you back up ten yards and it, it it changed the the whole you know foundation of that drive. And so I think the fans are going to be there. I think they're going to show up and be excited. And this is an opportunity for this team, no question about it. Yeah, to me, Jason, we talked about it all off season. These first five games, we kind of set four and one as absolutely where you have to go here. To me, that's where this one comes in to, to play as 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 being the biggest. Is it's a like you said, it's another step toward a big schedule. But also, I think you you, you mentioned it. We were we were on a call the other day. You, you aren't as confident about beating LSU if you lose this game, and so yeah, it, it, it's really it, big for these first five games. Yeah, I mean, you, you never know. I mean, you just you just don't know about this league. You look at Missouri and go, man. They were terrible. Well, they also turned it over five or six times. It, you know, we also lost – Auburn lost, almost lost to Mercer doing the same thing a few years ago, and that team won some games later in the season. So, uh, there's not – from this point forward, there's not a game where you can roll the football out there, as they used to say. You can't roll the ball out there on any of these games and just expect to win by playing like they played Saturday. So, um, yeah, it's the, it's the, the next step, but it's obviously going to have a lot of eyes on it Saturday. Uh, Mark, we've been talking a little bit about Sean Clifford here. Um, obviously, you don't expect him to complete 87.5% of his passes again. Um, that was a pretty in, insane game for him. It, it wasn't necessarily the most explosive passing game um, for Penn State there. And Auburn got a few defensive stops, um, but it, it, it just kind of made things it just kind of made things impossible toward the end of it to, to get that offense off the field. Um, but a subject early in the season for them right now has been that pass defense particularly on the same sort of throws over the middle of the field. They're having trouble. A couple of the guys yesterday referenced it saying, look, we're, we're having trouble defending slants, you know, quick throws, um, maybe playing off a little bit too much. And we saw it against Chevin Cordero. He, he wasn't as efficient throwing the ball, but still they had five plays of 20 yards or more um, throwing the football in a week two game where you're prepping for the quarterback who just shredded you to pieces in that regard last season, that that wasn't exactly what Auburn needed to see against San Jose State. You know, Derek Mason was uh, not very aggressive as a defensive coordinator, to say the least. And uh, so far, Jeff Schmetting certainly hasn't been aggressive as a defensive coordinator. We've barely seen anything other than pure base defense. The biggest adjustment has been to bring in extra defensive backs. But uh uh, I'm curious to see if they mix it up this week because what they did last year against Penn State did not work. And uh, Auburn certainly had the talent to win that game. Uh, I didn't think it was the, the best coach game from the Tigers, and uh, they need to step it up in that area. And, uh, uh, you know, you'd like to see a corner blitz, maybe a linebacker blitz or safety blitz, just 
something to keep the quarterback off balance because Sean Clifford is not real mobile. But, I mean, if you give him a clean pocket back there, he's got three really good wide receivers. And if you give him time to throw the ball, he's going to be very effective and they're going to move the ball up and down the field. So that will certainly be something to watch. Um, you know, it's a different type of quarterback than Chevron Cordero, who they played last week, who just because you got back there didn't mean you were going to tackle him because the guy was really mobile. Uh, but uh, Penn State's going to have a much more talented offensive line than what San Jose State uh, had. So, you know, watch and see how Auburn's defensive front gets some pressure or if they get much pressure on the quarterback. That'll be a big key to this game Saturday night, guys. Yeah, we, we've been talking about it for a while now where pass rush and, and coverage go hand in hand. Um, and we saw them improve in that regard against San Jose State, even though they're playing a, a slippery quarterback, still got, I believe, three sacks. Uh, and Jason, you were you were watching that video yesterday where it probably should have been four sacks because uh, Derek Hall took him down behind the behind the line of scrimmage, not to not to dive too deep into Penn State's offense, because obviously we'll do that on the round table. Um, but Hall mentioned it yesterday, Jason. This is this is the most physical, most talented. This is the you know, this is the best offensive line. Obviously, they've they've seen so far. Um, and we just we keep hearing that. You know, we keep hearing it. And I think it was Derek who said, Yeah, you know, pretty often during a game, he'll he'll get with Jalen Simpson and say, you know, I got you, you got me, we got to be able to do this thing um together. They absolutely have to affect Sean Clifford because like Mark mentioned, he they lose Jahan Dotson, brought in Mitchell Tinsley, the, the Western Kentucky transfer. He already looks like a really, really impressive player. Um, they've got a lot of weapons on offense, and they absolutely cannot let him just just sit back there because he'll probably have a good shot of replicating that same performance if they do. Yeah, I mean he's done it so far this season. And you know, you know, Purdue's defense is is better. It's better than it was. It's not great. Ohio's defense not very good. And you know, this this offensive line, it's it's not gonna match up to what Georgia has been the last few years, but compared to what Auburn's seen the first two weeks. They're going to look like the the Washington Redskins with, you know, the Joe Gibbs era. I mean, these guys are going to be massive compared to the – they've been playing guys that weigh 265 pounds the last two weeks. Now you're back to what you see what you see in, in, in a normal week, and uh, it'll have its challenges. Um, and, you know, they had three what should have been four sacks last week, but, you know, Portland State had seven against that same offense a couple of weeks ago. Now, I thought you did a better job of getting the ball out quick, and something I talked about yesterday, I asked – you know, you know, Derek Hall about it too. I think Penn State will do the same thing. I don't know that they're going to sit back there and hold the ball a lot, and that's why first and second down are going to be really important for this Auburn defense. They got to put them in third and long situations. In third and long situations, you got to hold the ball a little longer. Then your pass rush has time to get back there. If if the opponents keep having, you know, third mediums and and Auburn, you know, is not allowed to get back there, and, and guys are running free in the secondary and, and they're playing soft on on coverage. Then Sean Clifford's going to hit some throws, um, you know. And, and you, you know, to kind of think back, it was just a weird game last year. You think about them going, well, the team that that you know maybe either wins a turnover battle or runs the ball better is going to be Auburn. Ran for almost a hundred yards more than Penn State last year. The turnovers were even. They lost a the game. Um, when those turnovers occur, how you play in the red zone, um, you know, that's the thing that, that's going to stand out in this game. And we saw it last week. Auburn's defense was. Was one in five, you know, they only allowed one touchdown and five trips to the red zone for San Jose State. The issue was they allowed five red zone trips to San Jose State. That's the that's the issue. And um you can't get off the field. And it happened to Texas AM against App State. 
and, and if Auburn had been playing somebody that maybe was a little bit better than San Jose State, it would have happened to Auburn last week too. Um, and they can't have that that site that type of game again Saturday. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. On the other side of the ball, talking about Auburn's quarterbacks, Mark, it wasn't, I, I mean, probably the most disastrous first quarter. It may be safe for pick sixes or San Jose State scoring a bunch off those turnovers. Um, but it was it was pretty unsightly from this Auburn offense. Um, they actually netted zero yards across their first four drives because they had 20, 20 yards of offense and then 20 yards in penalties. Um, so the, those first four drives essentially went nowhere. Um, they had uh, two interceptions, obviously one by TJ Finley, which Brian Harson has sort of hit on as saying, eh, you know, it was the right read, maybe threw it a second too late and the DB made a great play. Robbie Ashford's was a little bit more of a head scratcher, kind of kind of threw, threw it you know, five or six yards behind his guy but regardless we saw tj finley stick in there some people wondered what they were going to do at quarterback you know maybe is this the time where um you know we see robbie ashford you know just sort of run the ball and try to get him back on track but to tj finley's credit he closed out the game 12 of 15 over those final 15 passes 10 and a half yards per attempt that's a pretty that's a pretty solid number we saw a few good throws there They, they weren't nearly as explosive Something that Jason has brought up multiple times is that they, they need to be more explosive in the pass game. They were not in the second game as opposed to the Mercer game. But that version of TJ Finley, we, we've seen it these first couple games. We've seen the head scratchers from him. And then we've seen the moments where he looks calm and collected. He gets you know broken plays. He's able to stand in there and make the right decision to flip the ball out. That's the kind of quarterback they need to see for the majority of the game on, on Saturday against, again, the best defense they've seen so far this season. Yeah, I think Auburn quarterbacks have got – to get Penn State off the line of scrimmage. They, you know, there's seven guys in the box, maybe eight guys in the box. Auburn's going to have a hard time running the football because Penn State's got really good talent. They've recruited extremely well. Um, you know, their roster is going to be talented with 60, 70 players on there. So personnel issues, they're not going to have any problem, Penn State. Now, if Auburn can hit those mid-range passes or maybe even a couple long passes, uh, that could change the equation in this game. And uh, that's been a big concern. Uh, Jason and I talked about it a lot. It's like, are some other wide receivers going to step up? Because right now it's basically Shedrick Jackson and Javarius Johnson have almost all the catches in the wide receiver group. And they brought in these freshmen and the two transfers uh, to make a difference in the wide receiver group. And so far it hasn't happened. And uh, if this team is going to have a successful season, they've got to have more out of the passing attack and yeah, the quarterbacks can play better, but the receivers need to play better too. So 
that's certainly something to watch on on Saturday because, uh, you know, there's no guarantee Auburn's offensive line can consistently block Penn State's defensive front. So um, really interesting game. I think it's going to go a long way to telling Auburn fans and SEC fans how good this Auburn team can be this year. Yeah, it was a little different than the first week, Jason. We were talking about it yesterday. Um, still that not that much variety in terms of who you're spreading the ball around to a receiver. We saw more Landon King in the game. Um, we did not see Malcolm Johnson because he had an injury. Now, Brian Harson said, you know, we saw him out there for warmups. He, he didn't go through warmups, but, you know, he dressed out. So Harson sort of insinuated in an emergency. Um, you know, if they, you know, five other receivers get injured, he could have gone in. But he sort of you know, said, you know, the guy like Coy Moore is just going to be a lot more effective because he's healthier. Um, no Xavier Capers in this game. Um, I'm not sure I remember seeing him now that I think about it at the game. He, he might have been there. Jason, you were down on the field, so maybe you, you can correct me on that. Yeah, I had the same question. I, just because I didn't, yeah, I don't, I don't really honestly know. There's so many of those guys. I, yeah. But no, it's he didn't take a, a snap. Certainly. No, it's it's a big deal. It really is. Um, when I mean, we just talked about it. Auburn ran the ball really well against Penn State last year. Um, it didn't matter because if unless you have a couple of 60-yard touchdown runs where you're finishing drives, it's it's really hard to score unless you have some chunk yardage plays in a passing game. And um, even like last week, you know, you know, TJ Finley made a good throw on Javarius Johnson for Javarius Johnson to get him down inside the five. But if he if he throws it on time, it's a touchdown. And he, he padded the ball a couple of times, and then he threw him almost out of bounds. Now he did make the catch, and but he couldn't turn up field, couldn't do anything with it. It's just those things right there, like you know, on throwing on time and and, and making plays and, and give. Right now, Javaris Johnson is the guy. Um, I think he's. I think he has seven catches for what 158 yards or whatever. He only has eight targets. Um, that tells me he needs to have eight targets a game, not not in two games. He needs he needs to be a guy that they you know throw the ball um, to a bunch at this point because he's the one guy that I look at and go that guy can make plays. Um, Shedrick Jackson has been solid. Um, but he hasn't been a huge playmaker for this team. Now, I thought he was going to just a, a step away from from taking one to the house the other day on the sidelines. You know, a guy made a pretty good tackle on the side there. But, um, you know, we had you know, Camden Brown, had, we haven't seen him any, and that was a the guy they talked about a good bit in preseason. Finally saw Tavares Dawson, um, you know, get a couple of targets and, and made a catch last week. But that's that's the step that has to come. Um, it's not 19, you know, not 1988. You're just not going to win games by running the ball 65 times. You might win one, but you're not going to win a bunch of them. And so they got to they got to find a way to create some explosive plays in the pass game. And um, if you can't do that against Penn State, then you're going to be. And I think where we're headed to is a, a, a 20 to 17, 18 to 16, something kind of game like that, where it looks like a looks like an old looks like an old Big Ten game. Yeah, we, would you say so? Var has seven catches on the season. He he he, he might lead the it. nation in near touchdowns because both <laughs> yeah. of his big catches yes. in the first game, and then this one. I feel bad for him. He he's gotten close to the end zone about um, three times. Uh, we'll we'll wrap it up here in just a second because I wanted to just get a quick one here in the in the midweek before obviously we got the round table where we'll, we'll really dive into what is Auburn's biggest game of the season so far. But something Mark we talked about before we started um, was. The, the NFL game last night you know, between the between the Broncos and the Seahawks and um, sort of a head head scratching coaching decision um, to not just go for it on fourth and five and instead kick a 64 yard field goal 
that brings me to something that I thought about last night, Mark, was, um, you know, we saw in these games last year, and maybe it was maybe it was a little bit of hindsight, but wondering after the fact, hmm, would it made would it have made more sense there for Brian Harson to take this route instead of another one and making you know, put his guys in a better position here? This is the first time this season, I think, where you can't throw a you can't throw a twenty yard post on fourth and one. You know, you you can't make some of those decisions that they had um, toward the end of of last season. Um, I mean, I, I remember you at South Carolina. You were the one who asked him. You know, Tank Bigsby wasn't even in the game on fourth and one when they when they went for it in the first half against them. So um, I say all that to say that you know that this is these are two you know very accomplished head coaches. This but this is James Franklin's ninth Penn State team. He he absolutely should feel like he has the talent and he has the coaching ability to go in here and, and win against an Auburn team that maybe is in a down year. And so you know in that. In that sense, I think Auburn absolutely needs a good coaching day on Saturday afternoon. They, they, they can't get out coached in this game because they don't have enough going for them, particularly on offense, I think, to, to make up for it. Yeah, that will definitely be something to watch. You know, crazy stat about Penn State coming into the season. Um, they were 11 and 11 in the two previous seasons. And uh, you wouldn't think that because they'd had a lot of success under James Franklin. Uh, in the Big Ten, but uh, they really have dropped off. They actually had a losing record. Uh, I think it was four and five in the Big Ten last season. And it's an important game for James Franklin, too, because, you know, I think the honeymoon's over uh, with him and Penn State fans up there. And they had, they've had some really good recruiting classes, but they haven't shown the results on the field from those good classes. And, uh, I'm really curious to see what happens this game. Uh, I love big intersectional matchups early in the season. They're fun to watch. That's the essence of college football, and uh, we don't get enough of them some years. And, uh, you know, Auburn tried for years to get Penn State to play home and home and just wasn't able to pull it off until this two-year deal was arranged. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the things I'm really curious about moving forward is with a 12 team playoff will that make these games more common or less common and uh, I sure hope the answer is is more common but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it Um, I've covered a lot of Auburn games but this will be the first time a Big Ten team has come to Jordan-Hare Stadium when it was a Big Ten team Um, I saw Maryland come in but Maryland was not in the Big Ten at that time same with Rutgers and I saw that Nebraska team back when Nebraska was really good come in out of the uh, Big 8, Big 12 conference and put a whipping on one of Pat Dye's early teams. And those are all memorable games. Um, and I don't really, you know, when they play somebody like, you know, uh, Mercer or, uh, you know, Louisiana Monroe and stuff like that, those are not memorable games normally. But, you know, when they play these teams from power conferences, uh, you know, something fans get excited about and remember for years. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this game on Saturday. I think it's going to be old school Auburn atmosphere, fans into the game, uh, a lot of noise and a lot of intensity. So, uh, you know, the players certainly were talking about they're excited for the all orange and they were basically saying their fans are going to show up and give them a home field advantage. So that'd be fun to watch. Yeah. Auburn needs it. They need it. It's on Tommy Agee moment uh, this weekend. Um, you know that Maryland game. You know Tommy Agee was a you know fullback, and 
all the eyes were on everybody else, and Tommy Ag runs for over 200 yards. That that need they need that. Hey, Jarquez Hunter can do that, um, and and he, you know he's a guy that deserves more touches. The way their offense is playing now, maybe Jarquez Hunter has one of those games that that we saw him have early in the year last year. They need somebody to have one of those moments on offense in this you know, in this Saturday. Yeah, he and Tank were certainly not the issue in in Happy Valley last year. Um, that was the not the coming out party because I think Jarquez had the longest run in program history the previous week. But that's when we sort of realized that okay, you know, he's going to have a good year for a freshman. I think he had that big hurdle on the final drive mm-hmm. um, there. So yeah, I mean, I think everybody fingers crossed for a great game. Um, from what I understand, all the Auburn fans that went up there last year, despite the loss, had a, had an incredible time um, visiting and obviously enjoyed a great environment. So you hope that'll be exactly the case. It seems like that's sort of you know, careening that way that, that that's going to be the case on Saturday. I certainly don't see this being a blowout any, any way or the other. So I think, you know, it should be, should be setting up for a, for a great matchup. So um, again, Thursday will be the round table with everybody. We'll, we'll dive deep and give our predictions. Um, thank you guys so much for listening today to the episode, this episode of the Auburn undercover podcast. If you guys liked it, go leave us a five-star review. That's the number one thing that helps us out. The intro and outro music is by beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next episode, we will talk to you guys later. Everybody enjoy the rest of the week. moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.